Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, good evening. So I heard my, uh, my twin brother led you in, uh, this morning. Well, he went to bed, and I'm in his place this evening. How about that? Um, man, we had a great afternoon. I'm not sure what all of you did. I heard there are a lot of activities going on, but we had a great time balling, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And everybody said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, I'm doing fine. Until probably about, yeah, until about 15 minutes ago, it's like, uh-oh, my tank is almost on E. Uh, so that song is really appropriate, uh, just asking the Lord to, um, you know, just to, to give strength. And because, um, yeah, I think I, at one level I'm tired, but I'm also, I am refreshed as well. And I've really been refreshed by you guys. I just want you to know uh, it's been encouraging the the conversation, some very brief, some just uh, hello and and thank you. And um, I've had a few more significant conversations, and it is just a really blessing my soul. Um, So, yeah, so thank you so much. I want to lead us in prayer. And then we're going to um, we're going to talk about seeing self this morning. We talked about. Uh, seeing God. And when I talk about seeing self, uh, what I'm what I'm meaning is not um, like that first self that uh, Isaiah saw the um, the broken self. Um, What I what I'm hoping we will see is the self that God sees to really begin to see us the way God sees us. So in just a few minutes I have, uh, I know it's going to be difficult to do that justice, but hopefully at least to lay out some some rails for you. And I do want <coughs> to, excuse me, give you a heads up in advance. Uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer um, at the end of the message and not just me praying for you, but giving you an opportunity to pray uh, amongst one another. So. Um, I just want to give you a heads up. I don't want to create any anxiety. Hopefully you're cool with that. But it's it's a wonderful gift God has given us uh, to pray with and for one another, to to come into his presence with full confidence and full assurance um, that our hearts have been sprinkled and clean and and he accepts us and, like, he invites us into his presence. So I want us to take advantage of that this evening, okay, as a community. So let me pray and uh, then... Then I'll share a little bit with you. So, uh, Father, uh, you are you are holy. Um, you're powerful. You are gracious. Uh, you're merciful. Uh, you have all strength. You are an ever-present help in time of need. You are shelter and refuge. Uh, you're a good father who gives good gifts. You love us with an everlasting love and like we can lean with all of our might um, into to those truths, into into you. And I just pray uh, even for us, some of us, some of us this, this evening, we are uh, physically a bit um, tired and weak, um, perhaps emotionally, spiritually. Uh, but you are our strength. Uh, your tank never runs low. So fill us with your spirit. 
connect our hearts with one another and with you. Uh, let our hearts uh, be stirred and then soar on the reality of, um, of our chosenness, that you've chosen us, that we are your sons and daughters, and you love us with an everlasting love, and we have great value in your sight. So help us to, to peel away that false self that we've been seeing or even hiding behind. And Father, just see ourselves the way you see us. And that, that, so that's my prayer, just that simply. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it was about two Christmases ago, and I was at a, a Starbucks, and I was uh, not sure if I was actually at the Starbucks when I finished this cup of tea or if I was taking the cup with me. But I, before I tossed it away, I, I um, happened to notice on the label that it read, stories are gifts, share. And uh, so that, along with some other things that are happening in my life, just caused me to just to say, I, I need to share my story. And, I, and then I, when I meet others, I want to hear their story. I want to hear, like, you know, where are you from and how'd you get here and what do you like doing and... And how'd you come to know the Lord? Whatever it may be. So once again, I want to offer you a gift. And my hope is, um, hopefully I'm modeling something that perhaps something you've been doing, perhaps something you will do more of, is sharing your story, sharing your grace story, because people need to hear it, um, what God has been doing in your life in the, in the many ways. Um, but um, I, I did want to share just a, a bit of my, my journey as it relates to this idea of seeing self. My, um, uh, my mom conceived me when she was uh, 15, and um, her and my father uh, never married. He was on his way to college on a, a football scholarship, and um, I, remember, uh, I remember seeing my dad when I was probably nine, maybe again when I was about 15 or 16. Um, the, the cool thing is today we've got a, we have a, a great relationship, but there's a significant gap in my life. Um, I didn't have my father's presence, and every child needs his or her father's presence. Um, I didn't have my father's affirmation, and every child needs the father's uh, affirmation. Um, And I I don't bear my father's name. So uh, that started an identity crisis pretty early in my life. Um, I thought that I was going to find myself and make my mark in life uh, as an entrepreneur and as as an athlete. At a very young age, I identified those are the two things in my life that I'm going to make a difference in the world in those two things. That's how I'm going to make my mark. Well, uh, I shared earlier how my entrepreneurial dreams uh, came to a crashing end. Uh, even at a young age, I was a hustler. I'd go door-to-door selling things. I've had more business ideas in probably a week than most people have in a lifetime, you know. Um, so I pursued it hard, and it came to a hard end. And um, in some ways, remnants of it remained, but at that crash, God was showing me that, Calvin, this is not what I have for you. That was difficult. That was my identity, at least in part. 
The other was an athlete and, and excelled as an athlete through junior high, high school. And, but in college, um, initially, I didn't play sports. And um, um, in fact, there was some grieving I realized about a year ago I needed to do over that. And it, and it was connected with being fatherless, sensing if I had a father, I think he would have pushed me through some obstacles that stopped me. So anyway, I had signed up for what at the University of Cincinnati is where I originally started for this program to prepare you to be a, um, an athletic trainer. It's a pretty intense program, but the first year, you're essentially a water boy. So it's just, you know, that's how you cut your teeth. And you get to tape some ankles and what have you. So I'm like at the games, you know, that freshman year, and I'm serving water, and the guy's are like, no, I don't want any water. Treat me like a water boy. And I'm... And my, my friends are in the stands watching the game. And just maybe a sinful pride. I don't know. I'm thinking, I, I could be playing ball with you guys. So I decided to walk out, walk, walk on. I, I walked out of the, yes, I walked out of that, but I walked on to the team. So I played my, uh, my freshman year, the latter part of my freshman year at University of Cincinnati um, on the football team. But it was funny because I remember, I remember distinctly one practice. I'm standing there with the guys in the end zone, and I'm looking around at these giants, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? And that was, you know, after that season, that was it. I said, I'm not going to make my mark playing football. So now all of a sudden, it's like, well, who am I? What am I? So um, in 07, January of 07, I went to, uh, went to Africa and visited West Africa and the motherland you know, for me. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to find like the tribe or the people I came from or something. And, uh, it didn't happen. It's, you know, I saw people that looked like relatives and, but, but I, this, I can't know. I mean, you know, the history of, of Africans and African-Americans, like, there's no, there's no connecting really. So I was in a major identity crisis. I really didn't know who I was. And then I arrived at Arrow. And um, this isn't about Arrow, but it's about what God did. And I remember distinctly one morning, I was really struggling with some stuff. And, and, um, and I remember it was probably, I think it started on a Sunday. I think this was Tuesday morning. And I was really wrestling with some stuff that was just had me bound in a major way. And I was ready to deal with it. I said, Father, I'm, I'm ready to deal with this. I'm tired of it. It was, really, it was guilt and fear that had me so gripped. And it was tied to my story of being fatherless in particular. We made connected some dots. But I remember walking into the room, and I saw this, um, this bookmark. And on the bookmark, it listed all of the realities of who I am in Christ a bookmark, but not the bookmark, but the words contained on it. And in that moment, chains started to fall, and I started to see more clearly who I am. I'm a child of God. And in Christ Jesus, there are so many realities that I was not aware of. I had studied in seminary, I'm sure at, sure at some level, but they kind of went you know, over here or bounced off. 
But at that moment, they stuck. And I remember Jacqueline Bland leading us through a teaching on identity in Christ. And ever since then, that has become a significant part of my story. And I, I want to ask you, and you may not even be able to really answer it. It may be somewhat rhetorical. At what level is your identity wrapped up in the identity of Christ, of Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to lead us through this evening. It's a reality. It is a truth. And my hope is that at some level, it'll stick and it'll penetrate, even if it's just the seed and that it will germinate in the days and weeks and years to come that it won't all fly over or bounce off. And, and the passage I want to use to do that is Mark chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And you have it at the top of your outline. And it describes Jesus' baptism. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you're my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You're my boy. I love you. I'm proud of you. I want to share, I believe, at least two reasons why this is so significant. First, I want you to know and understand that I believe fully in the deity of Jesus Christ. I believe that he is God incarnate. I also believe the full humanity of Jesus Christ, that he is fully man, In fact, Scripture tells us it's why he is such a reliable priest because he's able to identify with us in our humanity. He understands hunger and sadness and and joy and pain and the loss and the gain, the mourning and the celebration of life. He lived a human life like we lived a human life. So his humanity. The second thing is, do you know these words from the Father came before a single day of ministry, of public ministry? So think about Jesus and his humanity as a human hearing these words of affirmation from his Father. And hearing these words of affirmation before he raises the dead or turns wine, uh, water into wine, or before he builds great crowds or even dies on a cross, his father is well pleased with him, not in the doing, but because he belongs to him. And I think we need to know that God feels the same way about us because we are in Christ Jesus. So I want to just kind of walk through that 
those words of affirmation. The words of affirmation. The first is, you are my son. You are my son. He belongs to me. You belong to me. I believe that would settle the questions about identity. Now, again, I want you to, um, I want you to consider Jesus in his humanity. And this whole idea of identity before he engages the world as Messiah, as the son of God, he hears from his father, you are my son. That is your identity. Why? Well, here's the reality. If you've read any of the gospels, you know that during the course of his earthly ministry, Jesus gained a number of titles. Um, He was known as anything from and everything from son of God, Lord, master, teacher, very high titles. But he was also called a friend of sinners, a drunkard, son of the devil. So here's the question. In his humanity, which of those labels were to define Jesus? If he, if he defined himself, if his identity came from what the people called him, then which one? Which one would stick? Would he not be confused the way a lot of people are confused now? Like, who am I? Well, he didn't have to worry about that. Lord, fine, you call me Lord. Master, teacher, son of the devil, whatever you call me, I'm a father's son. But what about you and me? Um, are we defined by, um, by the labels? I tell you, childhood and those teenage years can be cruel. Most of us, if we have nicknames, we probably got them around that time, right? Um, I had a friend who's like, he's really tall. And they call him Shorty. Um, there's a there's a, a family member we have who is she's she's quite large, and they call her Tiny. Um, some of those are kind of lighthearted, but we can gain a lot of terrible titles that stick. Now, some of the titles we earn them, like we I mean we earn them as in we work to get them, doctor or reverend or the problem is if our identity is wrapped up in them i have a friend who's a former nfl player he walks in a room you want to ask him did you play football he's he's huge at one time he used to squat over 800 pounds i mean this guy's a beast but he actually wrote a book um for Athletes, because so many have a difficult time transitioning out of professional sports into, like, real life. Because their identity is so wrapped up in being an athlete. But, again, what about you? 
I want to have you, if you would, read with me uh, two passages. Here's the first one. Let's read this together, Romans 8, 15. In fact, I'll have you read it. Go ahead and begin. For you... Romans 8, 8, um, 8.15, Abba, Daddy, Father. Do you know what pleasure that brings the Father when we relate to him in that way? When, because if we relate to him as Abba, Daddy, Father, that there's something that we understand that we are his child. There's so many young children. It's, it's precious to see, especially the babies. And those that are one or two or three, they're learning to say dada. They always seem to learn dada before they learn mama. But um, dada or mommy, what, isn't it precious that they know this is mommy, this is daddy. This is the place that I can go and feel secure. This is the place that I can go and not be rejected. Look at the next passage, and, and then will you read it? For he... It's uh, Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. And what I want you to notice is um, in this verse, and, in, and I believe the... Um, and you'll see some of the other verses, there's this phrase either in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. See, what, when God sees us, he sees his son. When he sees Jesus and he says, that's my son, when he sees us, he says the same thing. That's how he sees us. That is our true identity. There are other labels that we will accumulate, that others will give us, but know that you are his child. Um, anyone here familiar with uh, Punchinello and the Wemmicks, Max Licato's uh, characters? Yeah. There's one story called You Are Special. It is, it's, it's just a great story. Um, the Wemmicks are these little uh, sort of almost like Pinocchio kind of characters created by Eli. Eli is like God, the Heavenly Father, and these Wemmicks are, are his creation. In this particular episode, um, the Wemmicks are giving out stars and dots. Well, they give you a star if there's something about you that they like. And they give you a dot if there's something about you that they don't like. Well, Poor uh, Punchinello is just weighed down with all of the dots. In fact, he, he has so many dots that people start giving him dots just because he has dots, so many dots. <laughs> but then he encounters one of the other Wemmicks. And he sees her and she has no dots or stars. And he asks, well, why don't you have any dots or stars? And she says, well, I don't let them stick because Eli has told me who I am. Eli has given her 
her identity. So stars and dots don't stick. See, that's how God wants us to live. Knowing that we are his son. We are his children. And the dots and the stars don't stick. The second expression, a phrase that Jesus heard was, whom I love. Son, I want you to know that I love you. See, it settles the question about security. Again, in his humanity, why does Jesus need these words? Well, think about it. He chooses 12. He chooses them with the guidance of his father. He goes to prayer. He prays all night. And when he returns, he chooses 12. And he identifies them as apostles. And he invests his life in these men. All that he has. He's vulnerable. They see him cry. They see him hungry and tired. And just think of a band of brothers living on the road for three plus years. The relationship, the trust, all that was built. But when it came down to the real deal, how many were left standing? How many of them who said, well, I'll go and even die for you and, and I won't serve with you. And, but when it came down to it, he was left all alone. No one can wound you like a friend. They left him hanging high and dry. What if his security was wrapped up in those relationships? But they weren't. They were wrapped up in the reality that there was one who loved him with an everlasting love, whose love was unconditional, didn't leave him in hard times, didn't waver in difficult times, but there was one who would always be there. So then I guess this again is where I ask the question of us. I don't know enough of your stories to know if if any of these things match. But I know that in our country, divorce is so rampant. The people who stand before a crowd of witnesses and say, I do, and before God, and sometimes in short fashion, begin to say, I don't, nor do I care what I said. And the brokenness, and, and God can bring healing, but the sense of security is lost and even statistics about what happened to children and fatherless homes and just where's the sense of security? If I stand before God and say it, if I'm say I'm your friend and your buddy and we have tough times together and, and then because I say the wrong thing, then you're gone. It's that sense of security. But this is what God offers to us. And again, I want to have you read. But and then read this next passage. For
in Christ Jesus. The identity, the certainty of God's love no matter what is all wrapped up in Christ Jesus. And we, brothers and sisters, are in Christ Jesus, inseparable, inseparable, inseparable from him, inseparable from God's love, inseparable from our identity uh, as sons and daughters, inseparable, inseparable in Christ Jesus. It is a reality. Here's the third phrase. With you I am well pleased. This settles the question about value. So again, in his humanity... Why is this important for Jesus? Why would this make a difference in his life? Well, look at it this way. Jesus um, was leading mega church before the the term was created. At the feeding of the 5,000, it says he fed 5,000 what? Men. And there were women and children in addition to that. So some say 10, 15, 20,000. You know, it all depends. That's mega church. If his value was wrapped up in the number of people, the number of noses he could count, man, we had 15, 20,000 a day, Jesus, man, we are rolling, man. We need to, we need to find a bigger hill. <laughs> You know, like, what are we going to do with all these people? You know, next time we got to, we need to get some people in place to develop some infrastructure and get, you know, the whole thing. But in time, before they would have been able to execute those plans, do you know the size of the crowd when it was all done? Essentially zero, but there, there were a few, you know, at the cross, right? A few faithful. What happens to ego? I mean, come on, ask the average American pastor if your church goes from 20,000 down to six and mostly your family and a couple friends. <laughs> I mean, really, really what happens? If your profits go from 20 million down to 10,000 or into the... I mean, like what happens to one's value if it's wrapped up in those things? But, in fact, I can show you what happens. Um, Everybody's, not everybody, but several people have been asking me about LeBron. (laughs) So just to show you how I'm moving through this thing, I'm going to use LeBron as an illustration. I'll do it very quickly, though. LeBron went from hero to zero in a heartbeat. At least in Ohio, he went from zero to hero in Miami. (laughs) But he went from cheers and loving this guy. He's the king and rolling out the red carpet. I mean, almost worshiping this guy really was not healthy. So all of, I mean, he was demonized just like that. The crowd can turn on you just like that. But see, God has a better way of us assessing our value. Will you read this for?
Remember that little phrase again? In Christ Jesus. And I love this word, workmanship. Uh, it's the Greek word, poema. It's where we get the word, what do you think? Poem. Um, I know there's, there are artists here. I know there's at least photographer and uh, maybe a sketch artist. I, Heath, I don't know what kind of art you do. We've got some really creative folks here, right? Musicians. No one's create creates like God, though. But all that creativeness comes from him. So when we see human art, really good human art, we're in awe. But do you realize that together, individually, but even more powerfully, collectively, that we are God's workmanship, his created beings, we are his poema, we are his, in other translations, his masterpiece? That's where your value is. And it has nothing to do with your status in life, your accomplishment, or what people think, or how many people follow you. or, or It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's all in Christ Jesus. And it's how God sees you and me. So, to you, he says, like he says to Jesus, you're my son. You are my child. You belong to me. I love you with an everlasting love. Nothing will change that. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because of who you are right in this moment. Although he's perfecting us, he's already proud and it's done. Okay. So now, this is what I want to ask you to do. And then we'll do a couple songs and we'll be done. Um, I want you to take just a moment and reflect on what we just heard. And then I want to ask you a question and answer it as honestly as you can. Um, which area of the three do you struggle most in? Is it in the first, the second, or the third, that you are really God's child. You're, that's really your identity. I mean, that is really where it is. But do you struggle with that? That he loves you. I mean, he really loves you. And there's nothing that you have done, whether it's become public or not, there's nothing you have done that can change that that he's absolutely proud of you. He has, you have great value, infinite value in his sight. And then this is what I want you to do. Um, I want you to just turn to one person. You don't have to share all the details, but you can say, this is an area that I, this is the one that's most difficult for me to embrace. And then what I want you to do is to pray one of the verses. Pray it. And pray, Father, I am convinced that neither death nor life, you pray it. And pray and receive that promise. It's yours. It is yours. And what I want you to do is not what 
what I did when I prayed, and, and I remember Krista, when I was at Arrow, led me through prayer, and I said, Father, I really want to trust you. Help me to trust you. She said, well, no, 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 stop, stop. And she said, tell him you trust him. Tell, choose to trust him. He's already given me everything to trust him. I'm kind of putting it back on. Father, help me to try to help to try to get around the trusting. <laughs> trust him. So I want you to do that. Just um, pause for a moment. Ask yourself which area. And then turn to the person and say, this, this is the thing. And pray that. And then the other person, do the same thing. Pray that. All right? Why don't you do that now? All right. Um, well, um, I just want to just close us in a very brief prayer. And I hope that, I hope this was uh, beneficial at some level for you, uh, even if not today, just in the days to come, uh, reflect upon these realities. They're true. Um, and God wants you to, um, to like receive these like deep in your soul and live out of that reality. So I'll pray and, and then I'll turn things back over to uh, our brother Bobby, who made a nasty move to the, with his left hand to the hole today. I was... So, I said, man, how are you, you going to lead these guys to worship after you do them like that on the court, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it's much greater. But, Father, you, um, you're good. And um, we really can look forward to the return of the king uh, when all things will be made right. But in the meantime, you've given us your spirit and your word and a community of brothers and sisters of all ages and all backgrounds with um, lots of different stories, Lord, to help us move towards, um, you know, that, that day when all things will culminate in the return of Christ and all things will be made perfect, how we sharpen one another and comfort one another and challenge one another and grieve and mourn with one another but celebrate with one another and, and pray for one another and so um i just pray that father the uh the truths that were spoken today have been good seeds sown into good soil and then our brothers and sisters me included will um lord just continue to live out the realities that we belong to you that you love us with an everlasting love and um, we have the very highest value that we can ever have. There's nothing that we can do that will give, that would allow us to have a greater or lesser value with you. Nothing we can do that will cause you to love us any more, any less. Nothing that we can do that would um, change our status as your children. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.